You're listening to The End Sunday Show. Leaving behind religious obligation to find a more authentic expression of Christ in us, this is The End Sunday Show. Hello, friends. Mikey Adams here with The Unsunday Show. I want to thank you again for joining me for this episode of The Unsunday Show. I want to take a few minutes, and I want to talk about faith. I want to talk about what faith is, what it means to have faith, and the origin of faith. Sometimes it, it seems like the New Testament says different things about faith, and it can sound a little confusing. But I don't think that's the case. And I think if we slow down and look at some of the verses within the New Testament as we talk about faith and we read them a little slower, a little more careful, and keep them in context with one another and in the immediate context that they're written in, I think it goes a long way in answering the question, what is faith and where does it originate? This is an important subject because the New Testament tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's a bold statement. That's in the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 11 and verse 6. That's that chapter in Hebrews that's all about faith. The entire chapter is example after example of those who took God at his word and acted on what he said out of faith. And it's in verse 6 that the writer says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So the question of faith is an important one because oftentimes we think that our ability to somehow mature in our knowledge of Jesus apart from grace or relying more on our own ability, like in spiritual disciplines, for example, that God is more pleased with us as we seem to move further away from our need for him. It's as though we think Maturity has to do with spiritual strength to the point where I need Jesus less and less. And the less I need Jesus and the more my own faith is exercised and I kind of pump myself up on faith, you know, kind of a faith steroid kind of a thing, that God must be more pleased with me. But that's not true either because Hebrews 11, which we just read, says that without faith it's impossible to please him. It's impossible to please God. Well, Scripture also tells us that the law is not of faith. It's of works. And so if we get tangled up thinking that God is more pleased with me based on what I do, and that as I work more and more for him, he is more and more pleased with me, as my faith kind of morphs into a weird non-faith where I, I need him less and less, and I'm relying more on my own ability, and my own skills, and my own cunning and craftiness in what I'm doing, that I'm somehow moving closer to him in that process, is a lie. Because the law, and I'll say any law, I'll go out on a limb there, and I'll say any law, any set of rules, is not based on faith. And so, what is faith? And what's its origin? How does it come to us? Does it come to us? Is, is it something that is resonant within me that just needs to be awakened and realize that it's there and, and kind of work hard at 
pumping up my own faith and pumping up myself in terms of of more and more faith and thinking that, well, if I fail in this life, if I'm praying for something and it doesn't happen, it was my lack of faith that led to that event or, you know, whatever it is that, that we're experiencing. Is that faith? Well, the bottom line is, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. You remember that passage in Ephesians chapter 2 and Paul's letter to the Ephesians? This is that one of those memory verses that we all get early on. It's a great chapter. It's, a, it's an amazing chapter about the grace of God. It starts out with the fact that without Jesus, we're dead in trespasses and sins, and that we're kind of stuck there and we're helpless there without him. But then we land in verse 8 of Ephesians chapter 2, and Paul says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Did you catch that? It's by grace that we've been saved through faith. And that faith, that gift of saving grace, that whole thing is not of our own doing. It's a gift from God. In other words, that faith comes from outside of us. It's not something we work hard to muster up. It's a gift that comes from outside of us to us and takes up residence within us. That's an important concept. I remember back in my Calvinist days, which I'm not a Calvinist anymore. I've walked away from that. And if you are, you know, that's fine. I, I'm not judging you. I'm just saying that for me, I had to leave Calvinism because it gave me a wrong view of God. It gave me a view of God, a reversion of God that didn't look much like Jesus. And so I ended up walking away from that after years and years of being in it. And I have a completely different view today of some of the verses that I used to interpret a different way back then when I was in that system, in that environment of Calvinism. And this verse here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, was one of those verses. I used to look at this verse and say, well, you know, if God doesn't choose you, if God doesn't elect you, if he hasn't chosen you from before the foundation of the world— then you're just kind of out of luck because this grace is a gift of God and you get this gift of God by him choosing you to be saved. I look back at that now and I think that's just ridiculous. I don't believe that at all at this point. I, you know, I totally reject that at this point. And that, you know, getting there, getting to that point in my own walk and my own journey took years of undoing what had been done. But I still realize that in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, when Paul says, that the grace, it's by grace that we've been saved through faith, and it's not your own doing. It's a gift of God. It still comes from outside of me. But what does that mean? How do I get that if that's, if that's the case? Well, let's take a, a look at another one of Paul's many letters in the New Testament. Let's take a look at the book of Galatians, and let's spend some time here and see if we can't make heads or tails of this and flesh it out and make some sense of it. I'm in Galatians chapter 2, and particularly I want to read verse 20. And I think this will help to start tie up, tying up some of these loose ends. It did for me. Galatians 2.20 is the verse that brought a lot of this stuff together for me and made it start to make sense. So I want to look at Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, and then I want to move a little further on in Galatians into the end of chapter 3, and we'll kind of start tying a ribbon around it at that point. But in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
Now, that little phrase, in the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, can be translated a couple of different ways. Most modern translations say it just like that, that the life I now live in the flesh, in other words, my life today is I'm living right now, I live by faith in the Son of God. But I think there's a better translation for that. And some of the earlier versions of the New Testament translated it, I think, in a little bit better light, a little bit better way to catch Paul's meaning. That little phrase, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, can also be translated, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Or we could even press it a little further and say, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God. That word faith is pistis in the Greek, and it can also be translated faithfulness. It does absolutely no harm to the translation of the Greek text to translate it either way. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live in the faith or in the faithfulness of the Son of God is just as valid a translation of that phrase in our Greek New Testament as most modern English versions have it. For example, in the ESV, it reads exactly as I just read it. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, which makes the emphasis of the passage, the emphasis of the verse, is more on me than it is on him, because it's now somehow my faith that I live by faith in him. In other words, it's up to me to successfully do this. But is that what Paul really meant? Or was he saying the alternative, that the life I now live in the flesh, I live in the faithfulness of the Son of God and his finished work for me? Do you see how that elevates him and puts him at the center and gets me out of the center? Because the life that I now live today in this body of flesh, I'm living in his own faithfulness. I'm living in his faithfulness. And you see, that helps answer the question that we talked about a few minutes ago in Ephesians chapter 2, when Paul said that this faith comes from outside of you. It's a gift of God. It's a gift from God to you when you believed. In other words, it's his finished work for me on my behalf that keeps me and that guarantees the outcome of this whole thing. None of this relies on me to do. None of this relies on me to accomplish. If it does, I'm hosed, and quite frankly, so are you, because this whole thing rides on the faithfulness or on the faith of the Son of God himself, not on my faith, and the very faith that I receive comes from outside of me, because it's not my faith. It's the faith of the Son of God or the faithfulness of the Son of God that's given to me when I believed. Or as Paul said, he loved me and he gave himself for me. Paul goes on to say in the next verse here in Galatians 2, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. In other words, if any of this depends on my ability to pull it off, then Jesus died for no reason. But he didn't die for no reason. He died so that the life that I now live in the flesh, I live in the faithfulness of the Son of God. That's my environment. And that was a gift that came from outside of me and had nothing to do with me, so that I couldn't boast or brag about it. 
I could tell you that my spiritual disciplines are greater than your spiritual disciplines, and God likes me more because that's not even on the radar. What's on the radar is the faithfulness of the Son of God, that Jesus Christ did it all for me, and that doing culminated at the cross when he died for my sins. To think that any of this relies on me is to nullify the grace of God, to use Paul's terms here in Galatians chapter 2. Let me take you to one other passage here. We're going to stay in Galatians and keep it in context here, and let's go down to near the end of chapter 3. And Paul's entire conversation with the Galatians in Galatians chapter 3 is historical in nature. He moves from the promise that Abraham received to then the giving of the law 430 years later. He's progressing through Israel's history in chapter 3 of Galatians. And then in Galatians 3.23, he makes this amazing statement. He says, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. I've heard this section of scripture interpreted, and you probably have too, such that it's talking about personal faith, that I am under the law until faith comes. But that's not what Paul is saying. Paul is giving a historical argument here from Abraham to the giving of the law to the coming of Jesus in the new covenant. That's the context of Galatians chapter 3 in this section. It's a historical progression from Abraham to the law to Jesus. And so in verse 23, when Paul says, before faith came, he's talking about Jesus. He's not talking about some personal faith that I muster up within me because I'm strong enough to do that. He's talking about the coming of Jesus. If we pull the word faith out of there for just a moment and insert the name Jesus, we don't do any damage to the idea at all. Before Jesus came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming of Jesus. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. So let's make sure that we capture what Paul is doing here. He's talking about the coming of Jesus as faith. Jesus coming into the world and dying for our sins is this faith that Paul is talking about. This faith that comes from outside of me and outside of you is right here in this text. In verse 23 again, before faith came, we were held captive under the law. Now, I also think that in this context, Paul is talking about old covenant Jews being captive under the law. Christian, let me tell you, no one today is under the law. Nobody. The law was historically time-bound to that old covenant. And that old covenant is obsolete. That old covenant was replaced by the new covenant at Jesus' death on the cross. You are not under the law. You have never been under the law. None of my Jewish friends today are under the law. I believe that in this context, Paul is talking about those old covenant Jews who had come to the Galatians, these Judaizers, and had said, well, Jesus is good, but you need to be circumcised and keep the law as well. That's who Paul is confronting here. And he says, before faith came, that is, before Jesus came, we were held captive under the law. 
We Jews were held captive under the law, and now that faith came, we're no longer under a guardian. And you Gentiles have been included in this too, because you are all sons of God through faith. This ties right back into Paul's earlier words to the Galatians in chapter 2 that we read, when he said, The life that I now live in the flesh, I live in the faithfulness, I live in the faith of the Son of God. And then here in verse 23 of chapter 3, now before faith came. He's not talking about personal faith. He's talking about the incarnation. He's, he's talking about God stepping into his own creation and dying for our sins. Before faith came. Now that faith has come, the life that I now live, I live by the faith, or in the faith, or in the faithfulness of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And guess what? Our Hebrews 11 passage takes on an entire, entirely new meaning. Because yes, it, without faith, it's impossible to please him. But guess what, Christian? You're pleasing to him. Because the life you now live, you live not in your own faith, but in the faith of the Son of God, or in the faithfulness of the Son of God. And before that faith came, we were helpless, we were hopeless, we were dead in trespasses and sins. But guess what? God remedied that. I didn't remedy that. God remedied that. And Christian, for you, when you believed, the same thing happened to you. You've received everything that Jesus intended for you to receive. You've received everything that you need for life and godliness. We're told that we're complete in him. There's nothing left undone. Believer, there is nothing about you that is incomplete. You are complete in him. You are qualified in him. He has qualified you to be part of the inheritance of the saints. What does that mean? Well, that word inheritance, you know, that's where we get our word clergy from it, right? We think, well, we've got this clergy lady distinction going. And so we use that as another layer of separation. But that isn't how the New Testament uses that word. The New Testament uses that word for the entire body of Christ. He has qualified you to participate in the inheritance in the body of Christ with him because your sins have been forgiven. You have everything that you need for life and godliness. You are completely qualified in him. How? By faith. And that faith isn't of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Well, when did that gift come? Well, in Galatians 3, this faith came. It was, it was Jesus. It was the embodiment of faith. And when I believed and when you believed, we think of Galatians chapter 2, that the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And that's where I'm going to stay, because Paul said, I don't nullify the grace of God. I don't think that any of this has anything to do with me. I think it has everything to do with him, so that there's no room for boasting for me. So do you get the difference there? Do you understand the difference that this isn't something that you and I muster up? This is something that we've believed in, and when we believe, that faith is our gift. It's a gift from God, not of ourselves because we didn't do anything. It's the faithfulness of Jesus. It's the faith of Jesus himself that we receive. And that guarantees our inheritance. The Spirit of Christ lives within you, literally. How? By faith. Whose faith? Yours? No. By the faith of the Son of God himself. God did everything. So when we believed, 
we received all of this. This is our inheritance. This is our guarantee. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. He is residing within us. The life of God, Christian, is in you. And the implications of that are huge because I no longer have to work hard in order to please him, in order to keep him off my back. There's not a list of things, list of do's and don'ts that I have to do to stay within his good graces. Why? Because the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who already did it all. Man, that ought to free you up to really want to celebrate. So moving ahead, we'll talk about some of the implications of this in terms of things like spiritual disciplines, for example. There's nothing wrong with being disciplined in certain things that you do, but when it takes over and we think, well, we need to be on this upward slope of improving somehow and be becoming more independent of him, and we need to be strengthening, strengthening our faith in terms of what we can do and what we can accomplish, then that gets us in all kinds of trouble. So we'll talk about in future episodes some of the implications of, of this truth that the life that I now live, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God. So that's all I have for you in this episode. I want to thank you for tuning in again. And remember, you can find me at unsunday.com. My friend Joe is coming up in the closing uh, outro here to remind you of that address, unsunday.com. Feel free to reach out to me at any time. And thanks for listening. And until next time, y'all take care. Thank you for joining us on the Unsunday Show. To be a part of this ongoing conversation, visit us online at unsunday.com.